0: Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: What better way to bounce back from crushing defeat in the League Cup to inferior opposition than a trip to Old Trafford? An informed Manchester United await City in this weekend's derby. It's what everyone wanted, right? We'll look ahead to this weekend's Manchester derby and question what else City can do to improve. It's Friday, 13th of January. I'm Amos Murphy.
2: I'm Alex Brotherton. And I'm Ollie McCool,
0: And this is the City Report podcast. Where is
1: from? the goal to Sergio Aguero.
2: Unbelievable! Manchester United one, Manchester City six. It's two for Zeko. 3, Manchester City 4,
0: they have made the impossible possible. Welcome gents, um, it was Adam and I doing the post-mortem after the Southampton game, so without sort of unearthing too many old wounds, Ollie, quickly, sum it up if you can. <laughs> Shit. Yep, that's <laughs> nicely done. Alex, have you got any advance on that?
3: Um, I'll go more... U-rated, uh, concerning. Concerning U-rated is that that is in the UK, isn't
0: it? I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's,
2: either, yeah, yeah. it's not even PG. It's yeah, just, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I think, I think, I think you're allowed one for PG. You're allowed one swear word for PG. I think. What in
0: you even in P, like you're allowed to say? I think so. The, the C bomb or something like that. Surely no, no. C- I, th- <laughs>
2: I think it's like a certain rating level, and I mean, you could <laughs> you could apply the same to football. I mean, that one was like eighteen, yeah. awful. <laughs> what? Yeah, you know, shocking.
0: Yeah, I'm not quite sure where City's performance against Southampton would come on the British film classifications, but probably wouldn't even be allowed to be rated. It was that bad. Um, Yeah, it was it was terrible. If you want to go and sort of hear Adam and I dissect it and offer our opinion, Wednesday's episode—that's when we. Sorry, Thursday's episode—that's when we went through and did that. So go and listen to it. We're going to switch our attentions now to the Manchester Derby. Now, full disclaimer, Friday for regular listeners will, of course, be the prediction show. We're shelving that this week because of the Derby. We figured that we'd... I have no idea why, considering the football so bad at the moment, we'd focus our attention on previewing that game because, Alex, it's sort of turned into another one of these and and, and I said it before Chelsea and I said it'd be the case for the next few weeks because of the fixture list but it's turned into another one of these games where City have to quite simply get a result.
3: Yeah um, I think we all feel that way ahead of a Manchester derby don't we but as you say this a defeat in this one would be pretty catastrophic wouldn't it really Mm. I mean we're still not actually halfway through the season it the World Cup's kind of sort of makes us feel that we're over halfway now but um yeah united have been in pretty good form since the world cup city have been extremely patchy to say the least um and going to old trafford is never easy you know we like to take the mick and pretend it's not a hard place to go but you know sometimes it is for city in recent years there have been pretty tough games as Mm -hmm. well so i'm not ultra confident but you never know this might be might be the kick up the backside that that City needed, or there might be deeper problems, as you and um, you and Adam sort of talked about and on, on your on this mo- uh, yesterday's show. So um, so hopefully we we get something positive, but I'm not too
0: confident. Mm, yeah, I was sat actually after the Chelsea game in Piccadilly Tap in Manchester, just sat in the corner nursing a pint, and these two. I'm not going to say old, but older fellas came up to me. They've following City, they told me for 60 odd years, and, and we we're speaking about the football, speaking about the match, and, and they were saying, Oh, we'll be at Old Trafford. What was then? Next weekend? upcoming weekend now and they were telling me that yeah we're going to smash them we're going to be 3-0 up after 20 minutes Old Trafford's going to be emptying at half time and stuff like this and I'm thinking oh god yeah I'm not quite sure I agree with that but Ollie as as most people know I'm I'm the eternal pessimist um where where do you fall on this on this sort of spectrum of optimism slash pessimism ahead of Saturday's trip to the the swamp. Let's call it the swamp. Yeah, yeah
2: I, I don't. Yeah, you don't really want to say its name. Um, Twenty four hours <laughs> ago, my answer would have been completely different. Um, mm. Which is kind of the fo- the funny side of football in a way. How just one result can change your entire mindset about your club. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't. As, as we keep saying, City need a result in this game. You know, it's it's more than just about. Proving it to themselves after a bruising defeat against Southampton, it's about it's about the league. Um, you know, we're now one competition less. We want you know the bread and the bread and butter of our season is the league title. Um, you know, I want to I want to see City go you know three in a row now and mm. wins at Old Trafford, wins at places like this. You know, wins this month in this horrific schedule that we have coming up are absolute musts and. You know, you don't want to lose a Manchester derby after a bruising cup defeat. You you know, it's the the one game, well, the two games a season you cannot afford to lose because that is when doubts really creep in. And we've seen it before um, in 1920, which was the last kind of off-season for City. You know, we lost both Manchester derbies that season. But that defeat in December, the first Manchester derby that year, was horrific. And I think that Mm. was where everyone kind of went, OK, this season's pretty much a write-off. And I think if we get to, you know, Saturday afternoon and it's another bruising defeat or any sort of defeat, you know, I Mm. think we can start to, we're going to have to reassess priorities for this season. And this podcast is probably going to be very, very negative for a few days afterward.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's going to turn into Arsenal fan TV. Um, I know know exactly what you mean because... I, I, f- I can't remember exactly the words I used, but I, des- I describe City's season as up until this point as abject. Now, obviously with Twitter, what is it, 240 characters or something like that, you don't get to fully explain yourself as you would in a, I don't know, 1,500 word feature piece. However, by abjects, I meant considering the standards City should be setting themselves, considering the performance they've been, they've been putting up in the last couple of seasons, consider- considering the manager who's at the helm, and considering the the stage at of the career some of these players are in, you know, Kevin De Bruyne at this point should be targeting the Ballon d'Or. He's, he's at that level of his career and recently. He looked like he I don't know, could have maybe got into a championship level team. The last few performances have been that bad. And people going, Oh well, you know, second in the league, league title technically in our hands, Champions League round sixteen. I like that's great, but that's in spite of what we've seen, because that has just happened as a result of, as Adam has banged on about, moments of madness. And I feel like Alex going into this next game against United, a lot of those people who were like, oh, it'll all be okay, it's just a blip, World Cup, blah, blah, blah. I think it might take, not that I want it to at all, but I think it might take a a defeat in whatever way it comes, be that a heavy defeat, be that a marginal defeat, whatever the performance is like in that defeat against United for some people to go, actually, it isn't all well, it isn't all roses, and, and that's the worry, isn't it? I think Ollie makes a good point. We could be heading out of that game at, at the swamp, as I keep calling it, Going, yeah, this season might not be as as fruitful as we all hoped and expected.
3: Yeah, it's. Um, I know, obviously, it's. We're not speaking about loads and loads of defeats uh, or drop points since the World Cup, but all the all the performances, perhaps, bar the uh, the Chelsea Cup win at Sun on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, they weren't all entirely convincing. As in Leeds is prob- was really convincing until the last half an hour, where mm. Leeds suddenly had loads of chances and City weren't <laughs> controlling things at all. Um, and then, obviously, we've had the other poor performances um, last night, obviously, and well on Wednesday, um, and obviously the the Everton game as well. Um, so really, I think there should be alarms bell alarm bells ringing. But yeah, if City do get a win at Old Trafford, everything will be sort of feel oh, perfect, rosy again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, if Arsenal were to drop points in the next week or two, it would set things up very nicely for that game uh, next month. But, you know, something is clearly wrong. You know, um, De Bruyne is not looking, as you said. he's We kind of thought he might come back from the World Cup and be back to his brilliant self. And in moments he has been. Mm. But he's still looking like that. He's still cutting that frustrated figure, isn't he? That's yeah. moaning quite a bit and not happy with his teammates. And you notice that, I've noticed that um, a few people on Twitter have picked up Last night um, on Wednesday, um, you know, Imrit Laporte was one, I think, where he was losing his rag a bit with Sergio Gomez. Um, a few of the other players were kind of looking a bit a bit exasperated with each other, which I guess is normal if you know you're not playing well.
0: But you don't do it in front mm. of the cameras. that You do it behind closed doors, I think, is what yeah. people
3: like. Yeah, yeah. You don't the, the, see
0: that on the pitch.
3: Hmm. Yeah, so I'm not saying, you know, morale is bad, but it doesn't look quite the cohesive sort of unit that we've come to expect, which, you know, we have been spoilt because... City have built such a great mm. squad that has always been fairly united. They've had their moments a couple of summers ago where a few players wotted out and they ended up staying and everything was fine. But um, yeah, a win at Old Trafford in any form is obviously what we want, but it might also kind of paper over the cracks a bit. And I guess we'll only see if that's the case in, in the sort of weeks after that.
0: Yeah, you you make a, a really interesting point. I think it was Sam Lee, wasn't it? After maybe in the day after the Champions League final, or, or the Monday after the Champions League final in twenty twenty one, he he released a, a piece saying there's a number of people in, or the number of players in the city dressing room who aren't who, who aren't happy. They're not they're not content with the game time. They're not content with the methods. And we would never have guessed that that season, City won the league title, obviously it was a strange season because of COVID behind closed doors, but that has, whenever there have been sort of rifts within the dressing room, they've been dealt with or they've been exposed behind closed doors, they've never sort of really come out in the open. So you see in players on the pitch sort of, I don't know, cutting these frustrated figures, it it does start to to sound the alarm bells. Let's quickly then, Ollie, and and I promise not to keep you speaker at them for too long because they are actually doing quite well. Turn our attention to United. I believe it's eight games in a row they've won under Ten Hag. And um, that Brentford defeat, that 4-0 Brentford defeat and that Brighton loss at the start of the season feels a very long time ago because they actually are starting to look like a a well-oiled machine.
2: Yeah, they look a very cohesive team, uh, which compared to recent City performances, it looks like night and day. Um, I think the one kind of little bit of solace I think we can take from their recent great run of form is that it's all been against you know teams towards the lower end of the table um, since a defeat, their defeat to Aston Villa in early November. Um, in the league it's been brilliant for them and but it's been a lot of teams you would expect them to beat and obviously it's a bit of a joke as as a City fans coming on and saying that about a, about United after we've just lost to Southampton in the cup and I recognise the irony of that but you know there you can take that solace and City know how to get themselves up for a big game and United is the biggest game of the lot Um you know Marcus Rashford is in astounding form he, he looks like you know, he's back to the young player we saw, um, you know, under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, that kind of roaring forward who just loves scoring goals. Um, and he's obviously on for a 20-goal season. Um, the new, some of the new signings have worked out magnificently, uh, Casemiro being one. You know, he, people are already trying to say he's the best defensive midfielder in the league. He's, you know, he's this, he's that. And was has had an astounding career anyway. So. It's the first. There was a great piece of commentary from Guy Mowbray at the last Manchester derby, where the camera panned Sir Alex Ferguson, and he said, ne- "Not never in my lifetime, City would be favourites for the derby. Now it's every time." I think this is the first time in a few years where United could be considered just slight favourites, because I really think so. And um, but that's me as a, as a as you know the other eternal pessimist of the City Report <laughs> podcast speaking. Um, yeah. But we should but you know we shouldn't be taking this United team lightly. You know we need to take them seriously and we've been and there's been games in the past where we've taken them lightly and they've punished us for it. You know City have to be incredibly switched on on Saturday if they want to win this game. Um, I think even Pep said you know if we play like we did against Southampton we've got no chance in the derby. And that's worrying. Mm. That yeah. is really worrying because, you know, yeah. they're the worst team you want to face with this sort of form. But I think they're also the best because if even even a scrappy, horrific 1-0 win would just change the mood around Manchester City in a fantastic way. And I think it, yeah. um, if a win's going to happen, it's going to be not methodical. It's going to be quite scrappy.
0: It is shaping up that way, isn't it, Alex? And, you know, uh, Ollie mentioned the name there, Marcus Rashford. He's got four career goals against Manchester City. I think we all remember that sort of debut season where he turned, was it Demichaelis that day or Otavendi inside out and slotted home? And, you know, there's been a couple of them, hasn't there? He, he does love, because he's going to, being from Manchester, he understands what it means, the same way that Phil Foden, Cole Palmer, those sort of players, knows what it means. It's a horrible cliche, but it, it does add that little bit of extra element. And,. Um, it's difficult to begrudge him because he's such a fantastic person, but I don't understand. I oh sorry, I don't see how Man City keep Rashford quiet on Saturday because he's in the absolute form of his life, and at the opposite end of the of the pitch for City, you've got Erling Haaland who perhaps is having the sort of the stickiest spell of his, albeit short and albeit uh, sort of profitable City career so far. Two contrasting forwards and and as Ollie says, it's going to be a scrappy game. I feel like they're going to be the main men who can potentially get a result for either team.
3: Yeah, I think the key for City is going to partly lie in trying to keep Rashford quiet. Um, Obviously, you know, we we can't, it's not as simple as just keeping him quiet because United have... Fantastic players um, that are gonna sort of damage City if they don't if they don't pay attention to them and and you know who knows Valtvecos could could make an <laughs> yeah, appearance if he thought. depends if he's already got over in time from uh, Istanbul or not but um, I think that's up in the air at the minute whether he's going to be featuring um, but I think you know Rashford's in great form um, Bruno Fernandez obviously is is sort of a creative uh, threat and yeah it's going to be a tough one and I think. I would not necessarily say that you know Haaland is in bad form, but comparatively, it, the la- yeah. yeah. But it it does feel like the last few games, it's sort of the first time where he's not really. City have kind of looked like they're struggling to play him, but also maintain control. Mm. Um, and I think that as that is when we look back at this season, whatever happens, I think. Well, if City go on and win the league, um, no one's probably going to talk about it. But I think what should be remembered is it's. People were saying, you know, you just plug Haaland in, he'll score loads of goals and everything will be fine. Um, and obviously there were people saying that, oh, he's not good enough on the ball or whatever. But, you know, it, it has been an issue, I think, of working out or for Guardiola to work out how to maintain control, but also use Haaland and be direct when he's making those runs in behind. Hmm. I think, obviously, you know, the f- the first half yesterday he wasn't on the pitch, so that's got nothing to do with Haaland. But I think it has contributed to some of the issues we've seen. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not to say that it, things would have been better without him because, you know, he scored, what was it, 22, 23, 25, wasn't it? I can't even remember. Um, yeah. Goals this, in this season. But, yeah, you know, if City are going to win the derby, you'd think he'd have to be um, have his shooting boots on, I guess. Because, uh, you know, he's always going to get at least one chance, isn't he? Mm. So, um, hopefully, he's uh, taking advantage of that. But it's definitely not going to be easy to keep United quiet at the other end.
0: 27 goals. You're doing him a disservice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I know exactly what you mean. It, it, it's strange, isn't it? It's strange this conundrum where. City could end up having the record Premier League record goal scorer in their ranks and then sort of finish third or something like that. It's unthinkable, considering the discourse over the last few years saying city need a striker to go in and be the best team ever, and you know it isn't as simple as that, or is it maybe Guardiola is doing his thing where he overthinks stuff? um We'll do a little bit of overthinking in part two as we try and cobble together what we think the lineup might look like. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Let's get into some lineup chat then. Um, I want to start with possibly the biggest talking point, and it's remarkable considering where this fellow was at the start of the season, or sorry, where this kid was at the start of the season. But after the Southampton game, many are sort of suggesting that Rico Lewis could be the key to Manchester City's troubles and, and unlocking it. Um, Ollie, Kyle Walker started at centre-half against Southampton, which... Again, I'm flabbergasted by it. I'm not quite sure what the point of that was. Obviously was hooked off. Um people saying that he was gonna come back in for the for Old Trafford. You know, we speak about Rashford and United's attack, a way to keep him quiet and keep them quiet. However, it's looking like now people are pointing towards Rico Lewis as perhaps starting the game, considering his lack of uh what's the word, involvement. In that sort of midweek cup, tie. it seems bizarre, doesn't it? But do you think he gets a start at Old Trafford?
2: I mean, it was only what two days ago as we, as us as, as, as to preview the Southampton game. Mm. I said, Oh, Rico Lewis will start against Southampton, and Carl Walker comes back into the derby. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's it's literally been the, it's looking like it yeah. could be the other way around. I mean, what a story it would be if it is. I mean, I mean, that Pep's shown so much trust in him, uh, in Rico in such a short space of time you know i i, I can't remember him giving foden this many starts until mm. you know the back half of 18 19 where he was so short in midfield he needed to make those changes and and bring foden into the starting 11 a few more times than he probably wanted to and with rico he's not doing that out of injury or fitness concerns he's doing that because he thinks he's the best guy to win to help win help city win games and I can't see if you're starting him against Liverpool, if you're starting him against Chelsea, and all and all these other games he started. Why wouldn't he start against Manchester United? Mm. And also, you know, Manchester lad versus Manchester lad. You know, Rico Lewis. <laughs> you know, you know. Maybe there is something in that in putting putting him up against Marcus Rashford because he'll have that bit extra fight in him. Not only to keep proving himself as this elite as this elite potential talent, but also, you know. They're Manchester United. And he want to, He wants to beat them just as much as the thousands of City fans who will be up in the corner of the swamp. So, <laughs> um, I, I don't want to commit myself to it. But it would be just. I'd, I'd have a big smile on my face if the lineup came out at a half past eleven on um, Saturday morning and Loose was on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, another one, another Manchester lad who. who cringe alert, but knows what it means. Um, I'm just having a look now. Phil Foden, in his sort of breakthrough season in 2017-18, made a grand total of zero starts in the Premier League. Rico Lewis has featured for less than half a season for City, and he's already on two. So it just sort of it, it, it explains, doesn't it, Alex, that, that, like Ollie says, the trust. I can't remember even scraping my knowledge bar maybe the likes of I don't know, Andreas Iniesta, who was obviously already in the Barcelona team, some of those sort of La Masia top prodigies who's gone on to go and have fantastic careers in the game. I'm struggling to remember a time when Guardiola's instilled so much trust in a, let's call it what it is, in a kid, in a young boy. He only recently turned 18. It's, it's, it's double-edged, isn't it? It, it? It's fantastic and it's great and it's sort of like brilliant to see but at the same time you're thinking dme it's a long way down from there if anything goes wrong in the future
3: yeah i mean i think you can guardiola's interviews and press conferences you can just see how much he likes rico lewis he's just he loves talking about him and he's never not sort of infusing about his performances and what he can bring for the team um and yeah i'd quite like to see him start um i mean Echoing what Oli said, it'd be nice from a kind of the Manchester perspective, a local lad, you know, another chance for him to prove himself. But I actually think, you know, if we continue with this system that we've been using since the World Cup, um, so obviously on paper it's about four, but it's essentially about Mm. three. I think Lewis is better or has been better than both Cancelo and Walker at sort of tucking into midfield alongside Rodri. I think City have looked a lot calmer, um, sort of trying to build out from the back, you know, more press resistant when they've when it's been Lewis playing there. Mm. Um and, you know, that's not to say Cancelo and Walker can't do that on their day. They've not been good recently when they've done it, but they've done it in the past. But I think with Lewis, this is a player who is, you know, he's clearly come up through the academy knowing how to do that role. He's not been taught it over the space of a couple of seasons, like Walker did, like yeah. Cancelo did, they they came to City as sort of out and out fullbacks, um, whereas Lewis, you know, all since he joined City when I can't remember who he was, he was obviously pretty young, but um, you know, I imagine that that kind of you know that that all all round ability, the ability to tuck into midfield and not just be a, a, a fullback that runs up and down the pitch that's what he's been learning. So mm. maybe it's no surprise that he looks so comfortable there. Um, so I'd call like that him start. As you say, it'd be a lot of pressure. If someone were to go wrong, then um wouldn't <laughs> obviously be great. And, you know, it'd be a big test of his character. But uh, I personally think it's worth the risk because I think he's not really put a foot wrong so far.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's sort of shaping up for that, isn't it? When you consider who played in the Southampton game, who didn't, et And um And yeah, I, I, I think you spot on, you know, I'm not I'm, I don't know why it's persisted with Kyle Walker trying to do that role because he's clearly not very good at it and he doesn't have to be he's been possibly the Premier League's best ever right back at doing the bombing up and down that's his game he doesn't need to turn into this sort of Philip lam Regen teaching an old dog new tricks and stuff like that um Ollie we'll, we'll begin to we'll begin to wind down then but not before we speak about the forward line I, I don't know why we do this stuff because it never comes true anyway but who do you think the the favoured wingers will be uh, presuming that we go back to that sort of back three we see Nathan Ake probably at left back John Stones as an injury precaution I believe I'm not seeing any updates on that but I
2: think his cross
0: still be okay yeah I know <laughs> if he's he not then I'm not quite sure where we'll, where we'll end up but we'll cross that bridge uh, obviously Rodri's going to play that holding role you'd assume it's Kevin De Bruyne and one off Bernardo Silva or Goodwin, or maybe not Bernardo Silva might get into the attack so I'm wondering what you think for the, for the two wide areas which probably behind right back are the most contentious at this point. Who you would be, there, not who you want to see, because it's a completely different thing, but who you think uh, the bald master will be picking on Saturday?
2: I think the right kind of picks itself in Mares um, yeah. because, as, as as criticised as he as he has been this season, generally last few games he's been a very very good player for us, and he's hmm. and he's put and he's scoring goals. And Riyad Mahrez, who's scoring goals, is a threat for anyone. Um, and yeah. Pep likes him in this control-focused three-quasi-four at the back system. Um, <laughs> slash two, slash yeah, one, slash you know, three, p- slash take your, zero. Take your pick, really, isn't it? <laughs> uh, for the other side, uh, it's that it's, it's kind of becoming the, the debate of the season: Grealish or Foden. Um, mm. I just think you've got to, You've he's got to give it to Phil Foden. I mean. In terms of press pressure from out, from outside noise, Phil Foden Manchester Derby, it's that kind of standard thing. Obviously, scored a hat trick against them only a couple of months ago, ruthlessly exposed what was their first choice defence. I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, at the time. So you know, Phil Foden's you know he's done it before this season. Uh, Jack Grealish, th- there's a role for him to play in this game, regardless. I think there's a role, whether it's starting the game and kind of keeping it quiet first half, and then you bring Phil on, or whether you do it the other way around and you start with Phil trying, you know, like we were saying the other day, win the game in the first half, then try and shut it down. Um, yeah. I lean towards Foden, um, whether that's just, you know, the Manchester City fan in him and me coming out <laughs> there, or whether that's because it is actually the best decision. That's, you know, a debate for someone else to decide.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alex, honestly, it's unthinkable, isn't it? If you go back to what was it, October the second, I wanna say, if my memory serves me right, the the Derby at home. Um Phil Foden slotting home is he's, he's first ever Man City hat trick again. I'm I'm just sort of like teetering on the edge of correctness here. But um he slots at home, scores a hat trick against United, along with Harland, who obviously gets free that day as well. It's un- it, w- it, w- it would have felt unthinkable at that time to be sat here, what? Four or five months later, going, does he get into the team? But that, but that's the state of play. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, you know, he's, he's disappointing. He's sort of, well, maybe he's under expectations a little bit. But I, I don't have any major concerns. I'm not going to sleep at night thinking DME Phil Foden's career is over because it's just going to be a little bit of a rough patch. However, there is a case, there is an argument, a very strong argument to say that he starts on the bench at Old Trafford, which, like I said, would have been unthinkable a few months ago.
3: Yeah. Um... Obviously Guardiola has spoken or hinted anyway about some issues with body language and hmm. attitudes. And obviously we don't know exactly who he's only really mentioned um Mares earlier in the season, hasn't he? In terms of how Mares yeah. is doing much better now. So I think we will see Mares probably start on the right. Um I'd I'd quite like to see a Mares and um Foden combination because I don't know. It's like, if we're going to go for this controlled approach, I'm obviously United are one of the teams that do have a very large um, sort of threat on the transition or the counter-attack if they're breaking out of from a defensive position. So maybe from control, you might go with Grealish and and Mahrez. But I mm. feel like if you've got one of the two on, then I'd quite like to see Foden because, you know, it's at Old Trafford. United are in good form. It's not like this fixture last season where they just let City have the ball and didn't really do anything. United are going to attack City, and that could leave space for City to exploit going the other way. Um, so, and, and I think you know, Foden's one of the best players City have in in terms of attacking space in front of him and taking taking defenders on um, and sort of playing on the transition. So, I'd quite like him in the team. But as you say, it's we are just wasting our breath trying to predict what um, <laughs> no, no, what no, no. is going to decide. So, um, if it was me, it would be like Foden, Haaland and Mares in the front line. But
2: we'll see.
0: Yeah. To be honest, I think I'd go Grealish, Foden, Haaland. I think that's probably City's best I mean, front three, ha, obviously ha, is the informed man.
2: I mean, how much are we buying into this idea of his ridiculous plans that he's been talking about? I mean, everyone <laughs> everyone kinda of went wild and thought, Oh, he's not he's not even gonna play Haaland. I mean Yeah. I know, I know. It, I, I'm, will I'm it, dreading will will it. Out. Will it get to him? Will it will this pressure yeah. get to him? That's what I'm scared yeah, of.
0: Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the Manchester area will just need like this nuclear like, exclusion zone if like half-11 <laughs> and, I don't know, Haaland and Alvarez are on the bench or something like that, and Gundogan's playing as a striker. I don't know. Uh, I'm dreading it, and I'm sure everyone else is too. Um, Boys, thank you very much. Ali, thank you. No problem. Thanks for having me again. Alex, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Enjoy the match, guys, and enjoy the match to all our listeners. We'll be back next week. Thank you for another fantastic week of episodes. This has been the City Report Podcast, and until next time, we'll see you later.
1: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.